Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. God made me punch in the accurate numbers. My castle won't crumble. What I tackle will fumble. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. I need all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? Well, Goliath fell. Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my steps. Uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda. Triangle, look at it from my angle. I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels. Yeah. I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct for the King podcast. I am your host, Jay Spencer King. And you are listening to this on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network presented by Picasso Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day, Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza, shipping local and nationwide. Order online at PicassoPizza.net. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, Bills fans, AFC East fans, everybody that will, I don't know, there's probably some Bengals fans in here. Uh, Wherever you're from, glad to be with you this week. Rough week. As you can all expect, I'm used to Victory Mondays and Victory Tuesdays. Uh, we are we are here on this Tuesday evening, and it is not a Victory Day. You know, I find victory in in a lot of different ways, but this week there's it's not much to be happy about when referring to our Buffalo Bills. But we're going to talk about it. Let's let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. Feelings on the game and and where we went wrong. Um, look. <laughs> If you, I went back to watch the game and you watch the game and it's like, look, we didn't, we didn't control either line of scrimmage. So when your big boys up front ain't the big boys up front, it doesn't matter what's going on. It's not going to be a successful day for you. It doesn't matter that they had three, three backups on their offensive line. And aside from Vine being out, you know what? We also missed, we also missed one of our big guys up front that mattered, but still Groot. A lot of these guys that we have on this team were supposed to take advantage of a weakened offensive line. We were unable to do so. That's, that's the first thing uh, for, for us on the other side, we could not protect Josh Allen. Josh Allen was running for his life, his ever loving life. 
he ran probably more Sunday than Devin Singletary. And I'm not talking about designed run plays or not. Even if it wasn't a, a scramble, he ran for his life. It seems like every single play, I don't have the exact number. I don't have the official number. But it seems like every single play, Josh Allen was running for his life to stay upright. He had both elbows bleeding, jersey dirty. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. You know, you talk about the run game. Talk about the run game. We were supposed to run all over this team. That was the expectation, right? That was the expectation. Nothing. People want to make a big deal about Stefan Diggs on the sideline. Uh, you know, whatever he could have said or should maybe have said. Some people were expecting or saying that they heard that he was telling Josh not to listen to Ken Dorsey. I don't know where that rumor came from. I don't know how true or how untrue it is. But you see your your superstar wide receiver and your quarter of a billion dollar guy on the sideline. And that's not something that Buffalo media or Buffalo fans wanted to see. But I tell you what, I love that out of Stefan Diggs. No, he's not being a diva. No, he's not causing issues. I don't think it shows a lack of leadership or I don't think it shows that he doesn't care and that he's a me kind of guy. I think Stefan Diggs is all of Buffalo at this moment when it's like, why does this keep happening to us? Every year. We have these high expectations of being a wonderful team. We have the pieces to be a great offense. We got the franchise quarterback. We got the guy that we, we got him. We got Josh. And then you, you make the trade for Stephon Diggs and you have this roster coming into the year. We're supposed to, you know, we're the Super Bowl favorites. Throughout the year, all the complaining about Ken Dorsey, all the complaining about everybody else, we still had uh, a number two ranked offense as far as points scored. We still, Josh Allen had a, a injured UCL for, for a good part of the season. Didn't matter. We still averaged however many points and however many yards, and it was rare. I think there was one game this entire season that the Buffalo Bills did not score 20, and that was the first matchup against the Dolphins where we scored 19 points and lost that game. Other than that, the Buffalo Bills offense has put up points consistently. Stephon Diggs, he had a run there where he was, it didn't matter. He was getting the ball as often and as early as possible. But the last game of the year, we, for some reason, we never seem to win the last game of the year. So no, I'm not upset with Stephon Diggs. Stefan Diggs, he's saying exactly what all the Bills fans are saying right now. Yesterday, I joked on Twitter. I'm like, well, maybe Bills Mafia needs to take a day or a week, unplug Wusa. <laughs> maybe we need to take a week and refocus, refresh, and then come back re-energized. Some people took that to heart. I don't know how it was a joke. But in reality, what I'm saying is Stefan Diggs is all of us. The way we saw him on the sideline, the way we saw him, I couldn't wait to, to turn that TV off. And, and y'all blaming him for wanting to get out of the stadium? <laughs> I couldn't, if I was him, I wouldn't be able to get out that stadium soon enough either. After a loss like that, where not only, not only do we expect 
and should we expect to have won that game? But we should have expected to win next week's game. And then the week after or two weeks after. Everything that we talked about all year from the offense to the defense to who Josh is and why he should be ranked higher as a quarterback. And success is the best teacher, you know, or not success, but, you know, experience is the best teacher. And we were there. We made it to the AFC championship and then we lost with heartbreak last year, but we were going toe to toe with the league's best. So it made you feel good. But the difference this time is it doesn't make you feel good. Because at least last year we needed, you know, the Chiefs needed overtime to beat the Bills. You get what I'm saying? Like they needed overtime. This year there was nothing. It didn't seem like the Bengals needed anything to beat us. Now I hear the support or I hear the reports. Hey, some guys said that we ran out of gas. It was. I get that. I get that. The year that that the community had, the year that the team had. Everything from Kim Pagula early in the year all the way down to DeMar Hamlin in week 17. There's been stuff that this organization, this community has gone against that will make anybody like I'm, I've been tired. I've been tired and I'm a podcaster. I've been tired. And all I do is sit here and I talk to y'all and I tweet on my phone and I talk to y'all about football. These guys actually have to play it. So if I'm tired, I can, I can, and I'm sure a lot of you are tired. There's a good portion of you that went to most of the games, if not all of the games. There's a portion of you that just watch at home. And But I guarantee emotionally, if you are a Bills fan or if you live in Buffalo, you're tired from the last year. You're t- exhausted. I get it. So I can completely understand that. But I can't understand us being that exhausted and not showing up for the last, the biggest game of the year. I can't see it. I understand that you're tired, but I can't see not showing up at home for the biggest game of the year. I can't see it. So, so that's where we went wrong to me. We went wrong, uh, you know, just not really showing up for the game at all. We went wrong where our defensive line couldn't get pressure. We went wrong where our offensive line couldn't protect our quarterback. And I have a, some points that I'll bring up about Josh later on. Like I said, everybody, nobody likes to give Josh the blame when it happened in Buffalo, at least. I get it. He's our, he's our savior, our Lord and savior of Buffalo sports. And when, and when somebody in Buffalo says something about him, we're clowns or we're lames or we're all of this, right? I love Josh just as much as the next. I tell Josh every single week, whether we win or we lose, I love you because I love him. He's done, he's done something for this organization and for my favorite team and for the city that I grew up in and the city I love. He's done something that nobody's been able to do in Buffalo for uh, – I don't even know if there ever has been another effect that one person has had on the city the way Josh Allen has had on Buffalo since. I think I think the only comparable thing in recent years would be what Patrick Mahomes has done to Kansas City. If you're talking basketball, it would be what, you know, 
Steph Curry is to Golden State or what LeBron was to Cleveland. That's what Josh is to, to Buffalo. So I love Josh too. But I'm gonna tell you what, when he when he takes when he opts to to take a 40-yard bomb on fourth and two, as opposed to taking a wide open play for four yards to Dawson Knox to pick up the first down and to keep the drive alive. That's a Josh Allen, a Josh Allen problem. You can't blame Ken Dorsey when there's an, actually there were two open options right there on the one particular play I'm talking about. And I, and I'm not going to beat him up about that one play, but there's several plays throughout the year where I get it. He's been successful in other times where he's done that. But you you can't you can't blame Ken Dorsey and the offensive play calling when there is an option that Josh just refuses to take. We can't go for a 50-yard pass when it's third and four and you actually have someone wide open who could pick up eight yards. Go for that and keep the drive alive. But let me get into it. So the the the, the topic or the this episode. I didn't want to have a guest. I didn't want to have have anybody in. Uh, Shout out to David Reed. He said uh, he did drop it in the bucket on that pass. That was on Gabe. I agree. I'm not not saying that it was a bad throw or a bad pass. What I'm saying is it's the last game of the year and you're down by two scores. It's, It's the last game of the year and you're down by two scores. So if you don't complete that pass, it's turnover on downs. If you complete the pass, best case scenario, Gabe either runs it in for a touchdown or it's first down on the 35-yard line and we're in scoring position. Great, right? But if you don't, then you give the ball back to them with time against you as opposed to taking the open play there and continuing your drive. Those aren't just drive killers. Those are, you know, you talk about momentum. Those are momentum killers. And we've seen Gabe Davis drop. So again, if you know, if you know that it's been on Gabe, it's been on Gabe. You look at the Jets game. There was a pass that Josh threw directly to him that bounced off his left arm. You look at the game last week against Miami, he dropped one in the end zone. You look at a game against, like I can, I can, I've been doing this all year, so I can give you examples. If you know that that's how Gabriel Davis is when it comes to passes like that, then why are we even attempting that? A a play of that caliber or that means so much in that moment. So again, beautiful pass. That was on Gabe. But it's before it's on Gabe, it's on Josh to make the decision to not take the wide open four-yard play. Before I get into the rest of the topics, I did want to say, can we stop with this DeMar Hamlin conspiracy theory of him not being alive or whatever? He got a stunt double showing up at the game for him. Can we? It's played. Like, it's it's not even, it's not even half funny. It's not even half funny. Let's, let's just, let's just quit on that. So, moving on. So, this episode... I know I titled it the end of the road because that's kind of where we are this season, but I I really more so want to talk about reality versus expectation. 
or expectation versus reality, I guess. So like an expectation, you know, is, is, is belief, like strong belief that something is going to happen or that it should happen in the future. Right. So there's three people I want to focus in on when we're talking about expectation versus reality. The first one being Sean McDermott. First one. What are, what are the expectations when it comes to him? Right. Like coming into this year, the expectation was that he and the coaching staff was going to learn from last year and the year before. And we're going to close the gap by tweaking the scheme, right? We're going to utilize the players that we have now to their best abilities, put them in the right position to succeed. We were going to learn from 13 seconds and we're going to learn from any other disappointing ending to the season, right? That's, that was the expectation. But in reality, Sean McDermott is the same guy that he told us he was going to be when he when he was signed as the head coach. That's the, that's the reality. Trust the process. When I was coming up, one of the cliches I used to hate to hear all the time was when people tell you who they are, believe them. You ever hear that one? Like I hate it. When people hear, when they show you who they are, believe them. But I tell you what, when it comes to, when it comes to coach, there's nothing more that can be true. He's told us from day one that there's a plan and a process, and we're going to trust the process. We're going to trust the process, right? That's who he is. He's probably the guy that does everything the exact same way every single morning. His Keurig probably turns on at 4.50 a.m. His feet probably hit the floor at 4.51 a.m., like his alarm goes off, his feet hit the floor, he puts on his slippers and goes down to have coffee at the same time. He watches something for 10 minutes on TV, brushes his teeth, jumps in the shower, heads to the stadium, he's there by 5.50. Everything, the same exact way every single day. I guarantee it. And that's fine. That's fine. Most successful people have a plan. They have a process in place. When I first started doing podcasting, I remember I was a little down on myself at first when it came to numbers because it's like, yo, there's nobody, you know, like if you don't have, you know, you watch some of these other sports podcasters or, or just podcasters in general and you see them have like you, you look at their download numbers or you look at their live numbers and there's in the thousands and hundreds, hundreds of thousands and all of this stuff. Um, and I remember I would be excited very first early on. Like, you know, if I got 50 people to download my podcast when I was part of Buffalo Fanatics, I was like super, super excited about it, man. Like, I, but now out of that 50, probably 40 of them were my family and friends. And then 10 probably was just somebody who kind of came across it because I tweeted at it or I had a guest. And then everybody that was in this told me consistency is key. Consistency is key. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Consistency. And that's what Sean McDermott did. That's what he did. Came in the first year. We're going to trust the process. Yeah, we made the playoffs with a gutted team, but they didn't really expect to. Second year, Josh Allen's rookie year, they didn't expect to make the playoffs that year. But he stuck with the process. And guess what? Success started happening. But my issue is the expectation for him coming in was we're – 
playoff caliber. And I know they've changed that since and said championship caliber and, and Super Bowl caliber and all this stuff. But the process that we've been that they've been preaching is the same process they've been on since he got here. We've outgrown the expectation that we had when he got here. So at some point, something has to change with what he's doing. Because now, who in Buffalo at the last year, before the season started, nobody was talking about the division. Nobody in Buffalo was talking about the playoffs. Because that's the expectation. We expected to win the division. It was Dolphins fans who was chirping all year about the division. Oh, the division's ours. Okay. Bills fans didn't care. Enjoy your week three. That's all we've said all year. Enjoy your week three win. Nobody cared about the division in Buffalo because we we expected it to be ours. Not to say we we could have, we, we absolutely could have lost it. But the expectation was set as such that we didn't even consider less than the division. So the reality versus expectation was we need to get to the Super Bowl. Everybody started with Super Bowl. So my, my first question about expectation versus reality is when, when does the expectation for the team change? Because if it doesn't change, this is, if it doesn't change from the ownership down, we're going to be stuck here. Just like we were stuck not making the playoffs for 17 years, we're going to be stuck as one of those teams that makes the playoffs year after year. We have a great season. Our quarterback makes some great throws. We'll have some guys make some great defensive plays here and there throughout the year. And we're talked about as an elite team, top five, top six team every year. Win the AFC East every year. But that's where we're going to be. And the other day I was talking to, to Joe and I talked to um, talked to my man, Darrow, talked to a couple people when we were talking. And I said, you know, maybe Sean McDermott is like, I don't know how many basketball fans, NBA fans are in here tonight or listening by pot, but maybe Sean McDermott is, is Mark Jackson. You know, like maybe he has the right idea. Like maybe he he's good at laying the blueprint. Because they did a fantastic job. They found the quarterback. For those of you who don't know who Mark Jackson is, Mark Jackson, first of all, is a phenomenal Hall of Fame basketball player. He played point guard um, for several years in the NBA. He was one of the assist leaders for a long time. Still is an assist leader. But then he, for his coaching career, he, he came in and he took over the Golden State Warriors. He was hired in 2011. The team prior to him did not make the playoffs for 16 out of 17 seasons. 16 out of 17 seasons. So he drafted Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. He made the playoffs two out of the three years he was there. They fired him after a 51 and 31 season. I don't know if everybody, again, if you're not a basketball fan, it might not resonate, but a 51 and 31 year is pretty darn good. That's a pretty good season to be fired after. But he was just unable 
He was just unable to get to that next level. He was unable to get the Super Bowl. We were there when it comes to they made the playoffs. They now had superstar power. They were selling out um, the arena every night. People were buying Steph Curry jerseys. Oh, my God, the best shooting pass court or the best shooting backcourt in the NBA. That's all everybody talked about. But the ownership out there wanted a championship. And they fired him. Now, I'm not calling for Sean McDermott's head. So please hear what I'm saying before I say this. But Mark Jackson came in and completely changed the culture, and he completely laid out what needed to happen in order to win. But the problem was he knew how to get them to see it, but he just couldn't lead them there. They fired him, brought in Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr came in. Now they got a dynasty. They have four championships over the last decade. Four championships over the last decade. Is Sean McDermott going to be the NFL's Mark Jackson is like, is he going to be the guy to turn Buffalo around? We finally are, you know, we, we killed the drought. No longer a 17-year drought. But now we're just making the playoffs. We're successful every year. Is he going to be the coach that has to get, I don't even want to say it because I, I don't think that he should be fired. But something has to be said about being a coach of a, a wonderful team that seems to every year be out coached in the last game. Now, if you want to argue me about that for last season because of 13 seconds, fine. But I don't understand how you can out argue me about that when I feel like the whole 13 seconds thing was a coaching. I say that's a coach mistake as well. But some of these things, it just makes you think. It just makes you think. But reality versus expectation. What do we expect from him? If you listen to the pressers today and yesterday, you listen to what Sean McDermott said, you listen to what Brandon Bean said, and even Josh Allen. They say the same thing every year. They say the same thing every year. And nothing changes. Nothing changes. Every year, Sean McDermott comes out and he says, well, I, f I believe the way you looked in the last game is truly who you are as an organization. Well, and if that's the case, then, Sean, we got, a lot of we got a lot that we need to change. If the last game of the year is a true indication or reflection of who you think your team... If, if the last game of the season is the game that you feel is a true reflection of who your team is, then we really need to, we really, we didn't even look like we belonged in the same field with the Cincinnati Bengals. We didn't even look like we belonged on the same field. So again, hear me when I say, I'm not asking for the man's job. I love Sean McDermott. I think everybody that's left Buffalo and come back or not come back or come back, everybody has glowing things to say about coach McDermott as a person, as a leader, as a man, as a coach, some want to come back. We saw Jordan Phillips come back. We saw Shaq Lawson come back, who I hope comes back again. But outside of him getting those glowing reviews, the fan base at this point, 
The organization should be hungry at this point for more. At this point, making it to the playoffs just aren't enough. Shout out to Joe. He said, yeah, Cole Beasley and, and Smoke came back. After Cole Beasley, he said at least a trillion times publicly how he was retiring to stick it to, you know, whatever the beef was. And he and things changed in the Buffalo Bills organization, so he didn't want to be here. Now he's talking like he he wants to come back again next year, and Buffalo is the only place he wants to play. So I don't question the culture change. Some people say culture's fake. I don't think so. I don't think it's fake. I think you can you can see a clear difference. You talk to anybody in the organization, and there's a clear difference in language that they use as opposed to five, six, seven years ago when we had Rex Ryan or someone else running the organization. Completely different. But something, something has to give and something has to change. Next person I want to talk about expectation versus reality, right? Let's talk about Brandon Bean. I get it. Expectation here, big baller Bean. Big baller Bing, the genius GM, right? Like he he does no wrong. He he cleaned up our cap space hell. He he keeps us in a healthy financial position to make sure the team is always going to be competitive for years to come. They he, oh he drafts oh he finds these great guys. He finds guys and uh, you know what, what do you draft? Uh, like he he finds. Let me see. I was looking at it earlier. He drafted Matt Milano in the fifth round, 2017. Technically, I guess that was a McDermott pick. Drafted Taron Johnson, round four, 2018. You know what I mean? He has some Wyatt Teller. He's not with us, but they have an eye for talent. So Ron Neal, fifth round. Right? He finds these diamonds in the rough. He finds them. But let's talk about reality. He's done this without Josh Allen's contract taking up a major portion of a salary cap. So this is the part where I feel like now we're going to see just what type of GM we really have. Because now you have questions into play that come into play. Hey, I want Jordan Poyer back. I want Tremaine Edmonds back. Oh, we, we have a lack or we have a hole at, at slot receiver at wide receiver two. Uh, let's go and get. Oh, we need two or three more guys on the offensive line. Uh, Von Miller is out with his knee and he takes up a big chunk of the contract, but we need, we need another edge rusher. These are, these are the expectations, but now the reality is here. Yeah. Pam mentioned Von too. The, the reality is here. Now you have Josh Allen, a quarter of a billion dollar man on your on your salary cap. Now Von Miller's contract. Now I expect him to convert some contracts. We'll have some flexibility to do some things and, and some minor things in free agency and hope that we have a good draft. But let's talk about the draft. Has Brendan Bean really been? Has he really knocked it out the park with the draft like we thought or like we talk? Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. 
Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. I mean, let's look at this last year's draft. This year, I think James Cook is probably the most consistent pick out of the entire draft. Kyer Elam, first-round pick, starting cornerback, right? Barely played most of the season. They didn't trust him, even though Trey White was injured. Trey White comes back, everybody and everybody assumes, oh, we got Kyer Elam, so when Trey comes back, it's going to be a perfect, barely used him. Terrell Bernard, round three, special teams, but barely used. We all know what happened with Matt Ariza. Can't put that on him. But Benford, Khalil Shakir, he, he's had moments. He's made some big plays. But you look at that draft and it's like, okay, how many guys outside of Cook, if if they don't, we I hope they use Elam the right way. But there's there's no contributors this year. No contributors. The year before that. Group, they double dip. They double down on, on the defensive line. Group, boogie. Everybody in Buffalo right now is complaining about Spencer Brown. He's horrible. I feel like he was injured. I'm not giving him no no pass, but I feel like he's he was trying to come back from a back injury. I feel like he had a surgery. But then so let's finish this year's draft. Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, Marquez Stevenson, who's no longer on the team. DeMar Hamlin, Rashad Wild Goose, who's no longer on the team, Jack Anderson. I mean, 2022 or 2020, AJ Epinesa, Zach Moss, who's no longer on the team, Gabriel Davis, Jake Fromm, who's no longer on the team, Tyler Bass, Isaiah Hodgins, who's no longer on the team. I'll do one more just for just for shits and giggles here. 2019, Ed Oliver. We're going to talk about Ed. Cody Ford, who's no longer on the team. There's there's we talk about other teams and we talk about how guys are like we talked about the Jets this way. Oh, I get it. Now, most of theirs has been first round picks. A lot of guys aren't on the team, but these rounds are supposed to fill out your roster. These are the rounds. These are the guys that are supposed to. So now when it comes down to, hey, Josh Allen's contract is too heavy. Do, do we do we trust? Do we trust half these draft picks that I just named? They got rid of Isaiah Hodgins. He's catching touchdowns for the Giants in the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills score 10 points in the divisional round because we can't protect Josh and move the ball. And I'm sorry if I sound negative here. I'm trying to paint a picture of expectation versus reality. The expectation is that Brandon Bean has been the best GM that we've seen since the early 90s, which I agree that is true. I believe to be true. 
But we talk like he drafts the most perfect, like he just, like we're set because of these. But in reality, we draft these talented people and we love them based on their expectations or we, we love them based on who what their potential is. But we got maybe a full five games out of Kyrie Elam this year. Khalil Shakir, everybody, everybody at the beginning of the season, all the way up until probably week 14 was complaining. Why don't we see Shakir more in these situations? Why is Shakir not used? Now, we got a couple big plays in the play, but we don't use them. It's got a linebacker that most people expected to kind of like really start. Terrell Bernard, people had expectations for him. Didn't use him. So what's next? My fear is that Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills are going to do Josh Allen the way the Green Bay Packers did Aaron Rodgers. For the bulk of his career in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers was never given offensive weapons in the first round. Uh, Spence, where they went and got, they drafted Devontae Adams. Does anybody know? Does anybody know? (laughs) what round Devontae Adams was drafted in. Tell you what, he wasn't a first rounder. He was second, still a high pick, but he wasn't a first rounder. And we talk about these things and I get it. Find it. Our highest wide receiver draft pick was Zay Jones in 2017. Who's not on the roster. The last time the Buffalo Bills had selected a receiver in the first round was with Sammy Watkins, and he's no longer on the team, but that was for E.J. Manuel. And then the, the, the running theme tonight has been expectation versus reality, right? So I get it. These things happen. Antonio Brown was a six-round sixth, sixth draft pick that ended up kind of having some first-round talent when Big Ben and Coach Tomlin tapped into it, right? We could, we could talk about Steph. Steph Diggs is a fifth-round talent. We ended up trading a first to get him. But do we really have those expectations about Khalil Shakir? Gabriel Davis was a fourth-round draft pick. But this year, the expectations, the expectations were that we were going to get wide receiver 1B. That Those were the expectations because Josh came out and said – expectation he's a wide receiver 1b he's not a wide receiver 2 that was the expectation but the reality is he's a fourth round pick and not every fourth round pick not every fifth round pick turns into a stefan diggs and that's okay. There's a reason why you have projections. There's a reason why, because this is the profile of the player we expect to get after drafting. him. We have to, we have to have better expectations that are more closely aligned with reality. So when it comes to Brandon Bean, my expectation needs to be my hope and expectation is that he's going to fill in these holes and he's going to show us this year that his drafting it like he can, I get it. There's 32 other or 31 other teams, but I, I, I want to see 
I, I want to understand why the Kansas City Chiefs lose their best wide receiver and still find a way to build around Patrick Mahomes in a way that helps and it shows his talent. They brought back Smoke Brown and Cole Beasley because they didn't trust the fifth round draft pick that they have that they just drafted this year. Because there was a drop issue with their wide receiver two or their wide receiver one B. They brought back guys to make Josh more comfortable. The reality versus expectation. They're so far apart. I don't expect Shakir to give me a Cole Beasley second team all pro production. Not anytime soon. So at what point do we expect Brandon Bean to make some real, some different moves, some real moves? And I'm talking about the draft because we can't expect, yeah, would it be easy and Madden for me to figure this thing out? Like, hey, let's, uh, let's figure this thing out. Let's trade so-and-so with a second round pick and so-and-so and try to get DeAndre Hopkins in here to pair with Stephon Diggs for a wide receiver room and then throw Gabe in that three spot. And then we can keep Isaiah McKenzie, let him run a slot. Like that'd be perfect. Yeah, I could figure that out on Madden, but in real life, with the type of money that the Buffalo Bills have and the type of money that you would need to get a player of his caliber for a receiver, it's probably not going to happen. We're probably not going to sign Odell Beckham Jr. this offseason. You have to build your team through the draft. Have we done that? To some degree, our defense is... I feel like our defense has the foundation that, that we need. But then even with that, you have to, you have to continue to build through the draft and not with guys that are going to be gone from this team. You're letting guys go. And I get it. When you have a team this good, you can't, you can't keep all your rookies. That was my concern about, about last year with the draft. I'm like, how are we going to, because everybody, you basically figured that everybody was returning because they said they were going to run it back. You signed Von Miller. They completely redo their defensive line. But other than that, you're supposed to keep these guys. Are, are there many Bills fans who really want to offer AJ Epinesa a second contract? And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm really asking. There's been a lot of conversations lately about Ed Oliver. I'm not hosting those conversations, but there's a lot of conversations about him. Ed Oliver has been the least impressive first round defensive tackle from that year. He's been the least impressive defensive tackle taken in the first round from the year that he was drafted in 2019. But again, I said, what's the expectation when it comes to Brandon Bean? That he's going to draft and fill in these holes and he's going to do these things. But then what's the reality? The team every year has drafted a defensive player in the first round 
other than Josh Allen, they've always taken, and even in that year, they took Tremaine Edmonds. They've always taken a defensive player in the first round. It's who they are. They draft defensive linemen that are undersized, and they don't address any of the glaring holes that you have on offense. They don't address the fact that we're probably going to lose Jordan Poyer. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't address the fact that you can't keep Josh Allen up. Ed Oliver's on his fifth year. Ten point seven million dollars next year for Ed Oliver. Did did Ed Oliver did Ed Oliver perform this year in such a way that you would say, "Yep, next year, ten point seven million dollars should go to be allocated to him." What 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 did what what more would you want to see for ten point seven million? I, I there's a lot that I would like to see for a ten point seven million dollar contract. Payton asks, "Are we finding a better three tech for ten point seven? Do me a favor, Payton, and I, I'm I'm asking you to do this because I didn't do this. Go in and look at the statistics for the year, for the full year." of production on whether it be tackles for laws, whether it be sacks, whether it be whatever, whatever metric that you think a, a three tech would shows would show impressive numbers and then compare that to Ed and then look at. So just somebody do that for me while I'm on here. RJ says that Jordan Phillips may have had the better season if he didn't have the injuries. I am. I am in 100% agreement that Jordan Phillips would have had the better season had it not been for injuries. So for 10.7 million, would I rather would I rather find somebody another Jordan Phillips, another two Jordan Phillips? Cuz Ed Oliver isn't giving you the production. I'm just saying. I, I I just again. I'm not calling for anybody's job on this episode. This wasn't my. This wasn't my intention. So I'm not gonna keep going down there. But Ed Oliver, it seems like the, the every year on Thanksgiving is when we can say, "Oh, that's exactly why we drafted him." <laughs> he does it on Thanksgiving every year against the Cowboys. He ate. This year he just went off. It's like he's Mister Thanksgiving. That's his day. But but now you look you look all around that. And we don't get the same production throughout the rest of the year. I don't know if it's ten point seven million dollars worth of production when you're also talking about the fact that. Hey, I want to resign Tremaine Edmonds or, hey, I want to try and find a receiver this year because the draft isn't as deep with receivers and we're drafting late. Or when you're talking about, oh, we might have to replace two of our offensive linemen. At this is the time when now you're we're gonna see how good of a GM Brandon Bean is. Because this is now when you have to where's this money coming from? Where's this money going? Matt says we can't have a or why can't we have a Chris Jones? Yeah. 
but you know what? That's the thing. Everybody can't have a Chris Jones. You know, I agree with you. I would love to have a Chris Jones, but if we can't, are we just going to pay somebody $10.7 million just because no, you can find, if we're not going to find Chris Jones, we can find somebody in between Chris Jones and the production that we've gotten from Ed Oliver. AJ Epinesa, couple years ago, I was saying that I was ready to move on from him. And everybody was saying, oh, he's young. The same debate that they give about Tremaine. He's young. But Tremaine, whether people loved him or not, Tremaine made plays every week. Might not have been the amount of plays y'all wanted him to make, but Tremaine was making plays. AJ Epinesa makes plays rarely. Rarely. So if y'all mean to tell me and Z-Mad, Z-Mad Mafia is saying what I was just about to say. So y'all mean to tell me that if the conversation needs to be had, well, Spence, you want to keep Tremaine or you want to keep Ed? Listen, let's find somebody to send this $10.7 million to. Because if I can keep Tremaine Edmonds and we got to move on from, let me ask you, is it going to be easier to draft and replace Tremaine Edmonds or Ed Oliver? To me, it's a whole lot easier to replace the production we've gotten from Edmonds. You want better. So that that's just, but again, expectation versus reality. What's the reality of this? Where do we stand as a team? Jordan Poyer. People talk about his age and they talk about how we don't need to listen. I'm going to tell you what, who are you going again? If you can draft or bring somebody in for less than what Jordan is worth, that's going to have the same production that we got from him. Fine. Or if you're telling me you're willing to take the chances, what, what, what we had this year, you saw, you saw how things looked in the couple of games that we didn't have him and Micah back there together. I love DeMar Hamlin, and I hope and pray to God that he's able to come back healthy and play football for the remainder of his career. But are you confident going into next season the way we were? We didn't have depth. We didn't have depth. When Micah went out, and then when Jordan got injured and he hurt his arm, he hurt his ribs, so he missed missed the Miami game. No. My man Matt Thompson says, man, I love Tremaine, but I can't forget the image of Jamar Chase driving him all the way to the sideline on a run block that I think scored. Tell me someone else saw that. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. I also saw I also saw Jordan get beat for a touchdown. I also saw Deion Dawkins get beat several times on the offensive line when he shouldn't have been. I also saw Trey White actually commit a pass interference. I also saw, like, I can name, like, everybody. I saw Josh Allen make bad decisions. I saw Stefan Diggs run the wrong route and miscommunicate with Josh on a play that should have been caught. I saw Josh overthrow Diggs. I saw so many things. I saw so many things. 
But again, I bring it back to reality versus expectation. Before the year, everybody is Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Last year, the expectation was Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. But in reality, other than signing Von Miller, what did we change last season? What did we change last year that really changed our expectation going into this season to say Super Bowl? I'm going to need to see realistic changes this offseason for me to get back on here as a podcaster, as a content creator, as a member of the media. I'm going to need to see realistic changes this offseason for me to say that next year we are a Super Bowl contender. For me to get on here and say the Buffalo Bills have a shot at the Super Bowl. Now, again, I'm not calling for nobody's job. But why is it that we have a top three defense every year, top five defense every year, but then in the playoffs, it looks like we play no defense at all? Why does it look like we can scheme all year long and we play against these? You know what? I don't get. I don't get why. A team like the Bengals can play the Patriots and and almost lose because of a they won because the Patriots messed up on some field goal stuff or some fumble. And offensively, they just didn't look strong. The Buffalo Bills have a, a, a top three ranked team when it comes to defense. And yet teams week after week, it just looks like they look elite against us. Shout out to my, my girl, Pam. I love Pam. I hope your tooth is feeling fine, sweetie. She said, would Vaughn have made a difference in the outcome of the game Sunday? I think he would have made a difference. I don't know if he made a difference in the outcome. Because unless, unless Vaughn would have woke up everybody, offense and defense, and the coaching, I could see the defensive line having a completely different day. I could see the, the – or the defensive line, I should say. I could, I could see the defensive line have a completely different day. But I can't see I can't see Vaughn changing, you know. They bullied our wide receivers. They made our wide receivers look soft. I'm not calling our receivers soft or not soft, but they made them look soft. Reality versus expectation. Having having Vaughn, it would have made a big deal because we I feel like we would have got some pressure on him. Since Von Miller went out, so prior to him going out, we were a top five team statistically as far as getting pressure on the quarterback, rushing only four. Since Vaughn has gone out after Thanksgiving, we were like 28th in the league. It's a huge difference. He's a huge factor. Vaughn expects to be back before the season. I don't when it comes to ACL tears, I'm very hesitant to to have those type of expectations. I think he'll he'll come back. He'll be back before Trey came back this year because I think Trey um Trey White had more of a mental block. I think physically he was ready, but mentally he wasn't. I think Vaughn will be back before Trey came back this year. But reality versus expectation. Other than Vaughn coming back. We got Micah back. But 
realistically, what are we going to do this offseason to change our expectations? Because I I can't expect this no more. I can't I can't get them. I can't keep getting my hopes up. I can't keep the expectation that Super Bowl or bust and then coming to do a show like this. Every January coming to do a show like this. What's going to change? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope y'all enjoyed the season. It was a great year. So many great memories. A lot of good things that happened. Met some good people this year. You know, we had a lot of good times. Season for me is is not over, technically. I'm going to keep this thing pushing. I'll be at the, the Senior Bowl, be at the draft. We'll have some some good content throughout the summer. I got some good interviews lined up. So I don't expect to take any breaks. Um, the Code of Conduct will be every week. I think the Hump Day Hotline, Joe and I talked about it. I think we're going to take a break. I'm not sure when we're going to start the break, but I think we're going to take like a month or two and then kind of refresh as a team. Um, I know Jerry and Sarah are still going to be, they're going to keep things going with, with their show and they're going to rebrand because it's not a three man rush no more. It's just the two of them. So we're going to rebrand there. Um, and really I don't think anybody else decided to take a break. So we're not going to be taking many breaks over at Buffalo Rama. So you'll have content going all year, but to shut down the season, if I could leave you with any, any message, change your expectation based on reality. When the bills tell you who they are, believe them. When they show you who they are this year, when they draft a defensive lineman in round one, believe them. When they let Jordan Poyer walk and don't draft a replacement because they feel confident with DeMar Hamlin coming back after this type of scary injury and Micah Hyde returning, believe them. Just believe them. Roy Collins in the comments said, hey, who's your XFL team? You know what? I don't have one, but I may need to get one. I may need to get one. And I, I think I'm a I'm a really have to get into hockey or something too, because this is this is killing me. This is killing me. DMX3698 says this is an eleven and five, probably eleven and six because of the Yeah, he said my bad. So eleven and six team next year. Okay. I could see that, but for me, I don't care about that record no more. This year we're 13 and three year before that, you know, like we, we have good records. We win the division. When is the reality going to be where I, I can wake up one day as a Super Bowl champion? I want to be a fan of a Super Bowl franchise. Some people might say, you know, Hey, be happy, be happy. You, you, you know, you weren't making the playoffs six years ago. You're right. That was six years ago. Now I'm ready. Now I'm ready for that next step. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope I didn't bore you too much with my disappointment and my anger in this conversation. But that's where I'm at for this offseason. That's, that's going to be the message I preach for the rest of the year. Until next season, um, it's going to be expectation versus reality. I need to know 
I need to see some realistic changes that makes me believe that I can expect something different. So for the end of this season, for the last time this season, y'all love each other, take care of each other, and live in peace. And as always, stay positive. Test negative. Go Bills. Code of conduct.